They came from the four corners of America to defend our way of life, to boldly stand against the forces of darkness when the USA needed them most. Sadly, they didn't do a very good job of it. But hey, they can't all be winners, right? Burt McGonagall's The Tales of the Brotherhood of Ridiculous People starts now. Episode 15, The Crust of Cthulhu. I've been traversing this place for a while now. All I hear is whining and complaining and moaning. What the hell? Did I teleport into a SAG-AFRA or a Teamsters meeting? Toastmasters is more my speed. Well, it's just that time of the month again, and I'm not talking about my monthly trip to Costco. Across the Atlantic Ocean, Reina Blanche. That's the White Queen in French for those who, well, don't speak French sat in a lone room with several men carrying automatic weapons. They weren't her men, or her boyfriends either. But she felt comfortable with them all the same, as moments later another guy who was much older and with salt and pepper gray hair entered the room carrying a black leather doctor's bag. You know, the ones doctors used to carry around to make house calls. Jesus, am I really that old? Maybe I'm the only one who remembers this stuff. Anyway. The somber look on his face spoke volumes. I might apologize, my queen, but two developments have taken my time today. One has been giving our beloved eminence a little bit longer lease on life. His English twinged with London flair. He kind of reminds me of Michael Caine, if I do say so myself. Only without all the awards. Spare me the bullshit. Spill it, Dr. Berlin. The man who looked haggard and tired sat down and pulled out two folders from his bag. He laid them on the table. In regards to his eminence, Remy, I mean, Levesque Noir has been given a steroid treatment that should give him a little bit more time in his lungs, but the uh, chemotherapy is not working. So I've noticed. The other alternative at this point has been working on Plan B. How long until Plan B is fully operational? I can't say for sure. It's possible in about a year from now. He doesn't have a year from now, you imbecile. Dr. Verland's face flushed as sweat came down his forehead. The soldiers behind him seemed to be at the ready, if there was anything to happen to him. I know, my queen. And we have taken steps to see if this process can be quickened. Uh, science, as you know, takes time. It also took money, and as you know, we have lots of it. How can we make it go faster? Well, you get me the funds I need and I can get more help. Our benefactor will continue to assist in this matter just as long as the liquid funds are available. I assure you they'll get plenty of it. How's Levesque Noir now? The doctor put one folder back into his bag, but kept the other in his hand and stood up. He is with Yanni Rouge, resting. After his escapade in London with the uh, orphanage. Great work, by the way. I found that little endeavor quite hilarious. Pion Rouge, when challenged, is a genius. He'll have to put up my game. And as a doctor, I thought you followed the Hippocratic Oath. 
I generally don't do harm, but my patience, on the other hand, well, money is money. Levesque Noir will be ready for action in a matter of hours, but this little visit was entirely fruitless, my queen. I think we found your green knight. She opened it up and perused the information with an intrigued look on her face. We shall see. Promising, but we shall see. Hours later, at the State Correctional Facility in Pittsburgh, a very large hunk of man in handcuffs shuffled down a corridor. On both sides of him were guards and riot gear as an escort. They were unmatched by the power of Levesque Noir, showing up in front of them like turning on a light, grabbing the cuffed man, and blinking out of the place like they were never there. The guards were baffled as to what had just occurred. Call a red alert. For air? No one is here right now, Francis. Levesque Noir stood before the very large man, who fell to his knees. He vomited on the concrete below him. Gross. Once the man finished, he looked up to Levesque Noir in shame. I'm sorry. I couldn't... That's okay. It happens to everyone the first time around. Used to it in time, don't worry. Someone, someone will clean that up for you, eh? Behind him were Peony Rouge and Reina Blanche, who decided at this point to join their leader in front of the kneeling man. Thank you. Thank you for getting me out of there. The large man said as he kissed the ring of Levesque Noir. His English was twinged with a Russian accent. You are Russian. No, I'm Ukrainian. And a Sile. He said as he stood up, he had to be at least six six tall. Damn, he was big. Uh-huh. What did you do to deserve prison? Hmm? Did you, uh, have you killed a man? I pulled the do not remove tag under penalty of law on my mattress. <laughs> and you did. I cut one of them off. Peony Rouge pulled out a pistol and proceeded to shoot the Ukrainian brute at point-blank range. All the bullets bounced off him, as if they were made of clay. And not metal. <laughs> this story is true, mon ami. And if they weren't, we would have a dead Ukrainian on the floor. <clears throat> She's been undercover far too long, eh? We've got to go to other means of keeping her identity hidden. It's a pain in my ass. Levesque Noir ignored them and turned to the Ukrainian. How would you like to get back at the ones who sent you here? The ones who did this to you? And made you like this. How would you like to put them back? Make them pay. <laughs> can you give me this chance at retribution? I can give you this and more. Only if you serve me. Then I, Mikhail Bondarenko, will serve you until my death, great bishop. Sinarize, my Velt, and take your place by my side. Like the Green Knight of Vision, may you be the sturdy oak by my side. Before Gladys and Agent Mills took their respective teams to their missions, they met up with General George McTaggart in Mills' office. 
McTaggart had a grim look on his face. The situation with Agent Jenkins has gotten worse, ladies. How, sir? He sighed heavily and sat down in an office chair. Jenkins was given a new dossier. Potential candidates, recruits, and even possible no-no suggestions after the whole fiasco with Oliver Pep. But we found that dossier missing. You mean that, uh, that... Indeed, Miss Hamilton. It means that Peony Rouge most likely stole the dossier away while Miss Somerville and Mr. Pep were in pursuit. The Gambit has a copy. Oh, dear Jesus. What about Ollie's file? Is that still around? Luckily, Agent Jenkins had that file safely somewhere else when the attack occurred. Unless they were able to torture Agent Jenkins with the trigger words for Ollie's... Um, abilities, they don't have any clue as to what type of operative he actually is. General McTaggart, there was something that was said on the television broadcast that drew me some concern. He referred to the team by the same name you did in our meeting with Agent Jenkins. The Brotherhood of Ridiculous People. How did you know about that? We're in the CIA, sir. Everything is bugged. Besides, Agent Jenkins told me... The Brotherhood of Ridiculous People. I mean, I have to admit, I kinda... I hated that damn name at first, but that son of a bitch has grown on me, though. We are pretty ridiculous. Agent Mills. I know where you're coming from, sir. This means that someone was listening in on those bugs. Or worse, there is a traitor in our midst. That I can't be sure of. And that's why we have Gladys's team trying to rout them out. We need an especially vigilant, especially now considering we're splitting up the team. Forgive me, Agent Mills, but, uh, why are we doing that? You'd think that fighting Lebec Noir and his goons would be a joint effort, but... Because whatever information the Gambit is getting is coming from a source that's intimate and close by. We stop his info, we can stop his operations against us. The issue is that Lebec Noir can teleport anywhere. He can strike almost most areas. We need to head all of that off immediately where we can find it, and it doesn't happen just from Washington. In fact, let me assign another agent to the team. Someone who could lead that second group properly. Don't need one. We got Gladys. The general, who looked as if he were going to have a migraine headache of his own, put his hand on his forehead. <sighs> Forgive me, Miss Hamilton, but I don't think you possess the qualities to lead a squad. General Metaggart. Do you feel like your mother raised you right? Excuse me? Did you feel like your mother raised you right? That she tried to prepare you for everything the best she could, the way she could? I don't see how my mother has anything to do with this. When times were in trouble, even if you had tons of training, seminars, schooling, didn't you always look back to your mother for guidance? Didn't you think back to that voice in your head? Let me make it perfectly clear, Miss Hamilton. You are not my mother. No, I'm not. But keep in mind, I've been watching out for all these guys since I joined this team. Unlike the mother of this damn team. Even when you left them in protest? Even when you went AWOL and had the whole team come looking for you? You endangered the lives of everyone who came looking With for you. With all due respect, sir, you are dead wrong. We went after her not only to rescue her, but to right a wrong that was done to her and the rest of the team. 
Agent Jenkins treated these people with such contempt, only to realize later that he had made a serious mistake. Gladys made mistakes. You've made mistakes. We're all human, General. Give her the chance to succeed, and I'm sure she will wow you. Gladys could have said anything, but she remained silent, just staring at the general before he sighed. All right, Miss Hamilton. You can lead the squad, but I will say this to you, Agent Mills. If she fails, it's your hide. General McTaggart stood up and left the office as Agent Mills saluted. Thank you. I was about to bite and drain the living hell out of that guy. I know. But he didn't put you in the right position either. In fact, if you fail, it just might mean the whole country. Minutes later, while the two teams were still together, Ollie came up to Val, who was watching a classic episode of Cops on television. He had a worried look and tapped him slightly. Uh, Val? Hey, you know the drill, man. Don't bother me while I'm watching my program. This show is 35 years old. Hey, if I don't make my boundaries clear, nothing is ever done. But since this is DVR, Val paused the show and turned around. It felt otherworldly, almost alien to Ollie. What do you want? I, I need to talk to you. I'm, I'm in Dude. a weird place right now. Dude, your entire existence is a weird place. But since we're all stuck together, you might as well be a little bit more specific. <sighs> I... I, th I think I, I might have slept with Agent Mills. You stopped, Allison? Um, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, she was drunk at the get-together the other day, and she passed out of my bed with me. I was pretty tipsy, too, but... Willie the Hobo, who was overhearing the entire conversation, chimed in. I sex with the gunman lady? Oh, for the love of Christmas, I don't entirely know! I passed out drunk like she did. All I know is I woke up in a film of baby oil, and both her and I were naked. Hey, Dean! Hey! You seen Rod anywhere? He left to go find Darla, or whatever. Yo, listen, listen. Ollie slept with Mills. I told you all! I don't know! Fuck, dude. Listen, he's leaving out a lot of the details there. I'm not looking to hear any of your details, Ollie. That should be between you and Allie. Anyway, I'm just here to find Rod. Ollie was frustrated, grunted in anger, and just walked away as well. Vel chuckled under his breath as he fist-bumped Willie. <laughs> I'm going to train you yet, Willie. So, Ollie didn't have the sex with Camille. Um... Hmm, that doesn't sound too comforting, Gladys. Are you sh sure this is the place? It d d d d doesn't look like a cult to me. But that still doesn't mean they're getting any information from our mole. Billy bounced his knee up and down, unable to sit still. Darla, who was still sitting in front of him in the car, turned around. I know you're antsy, darling, but either make up your mind. If you're going to go faster, at least make it enjoyable for old Miss Maple over here. Quit it, Darla! And stop rocking the car! If you have to let some energy out, go outside! Go play! Go on! Aye aye, Captain! 
Billy said as he immediately left the confines of the car and started pacing around. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Must be nice to catch up on all the music shows you missed since you got the suit, huh? Behind the music is a start. Gladys turned her attention back to the strange pizzeria. The crust of Cthulhu. Especially mm. in seafood pizza. I bet it smells like rotten vagina in there. Garla! That's true. All that garlic, tentacles, squid, crab, shush. It's downright hentai in there. And probably not in a good way. What's hentai? <laughs> if you have to ask... You're watching the wrong movie, Sausage Boy. Frank began squealing like crazy. Rod pointed a finger in his furry face. No way, Frank. We're not going to order hentai tonight. (laughs) It's okay. I have plenty in my room, sugar. Uh, right. Well, seafood pizza? That might be interesting. Billy's eyes were covered by his hands as he crashed into trash cans and debris nearby. Darla rolled down her window. What's wrong? Are you okay? Billy stumbled crashing into the car. His face was swollen like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. I, I can't see. Jesus, did you get stung by a bee? That looks like a b- 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 bee sting reaction. Come back in the car. I have some b- 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 Benadryl. Rod replied, digging into his rubber suit. Why do you have Benadryl with you? Why can't I find mine? I'm allergic to sh- sh- shellfish. Just in c- case. Frank got it for me. little fucker stole it from me. How do you tell me you were allergic to bees, Billy? Billy got into the car and slammed the door. He couldn't stop itching. Because I'm not. I'm allergic to something else. I have no idea what happened. Jesus. You need to take me to the hospital. We can't divide our unit. What about our mission? We can't uh. let him go into anaphylactic shock, Gladys. He could die. And then what would I do? I mean, what would we do? Okay. Since out of all of us, I'm the only one that knows how to drive a car, and I'll take Billy. You two will case out the pizza joint. Us? The rubber and leather crew? You you want us to go in? As long as y'all don't divert any attention to yourselves, I think we'll be all right. Gladys replied as Darla, Rod, and Frank got out of the car. Darla helped Billy into the front seat as Gladys leaned over to talk to them again. You call for backup. You understand? Gladys pulled away quickly before Rod turned to Darla. Who's our backup? Follow my lead, darling, and we won't have to worry about all that. The bell of the pizzeria rang as Rod and Darla walked into the store. A man dressed in a black and tan with a pair of Cthulhu tentacles on his head and hat. He looked bored out of his wits and sighed as both Rod and Darla walked inside. His eyes widened at the sight of the two dressed in leather and rubber, staring in front of them. Only the baby blue t-shirt Gladys gave them to offset their strangeness. Darla smirked under the mask and whispered, Whoop, I was right. Rotten vagina. It doesn't smell that bad, Darla. Uh, welcome to Trust of Cthulhu. May I take your order? Uh, can we ask you a few questions? Hey, are you guys from the BDSM convention down the street? Darla turned to Rod, realizing they had their niche, and winked and rubbed their fingers down Darla's rubber suit. 
Why, yes. It's getting steamy. Yes, we are. Do you have pizza with tentacles? And do it fast if you don't want the whip. Well, we have several pizzas with tentacles. Can you be more specific? Rod looked to see that Frank had disappeared. Oh, boy. At the hospital, Gladys sat in the waiting room as Billy had already been admitted into the back. What the hell happened, Miss Hamilton? A voice came from behind her as she was trying to forget the fact she was even there. It was Dr. Ortega. Uh, thanks, Doc. The name's Gladys, though. But as for what happened, we don't know. Uh, he was pacing around the car one moment. The next thing he was spoke. Did you see Ghostbusters? You know, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man? He was swole up like that, Doc. Hey, whoa, wait a second. Wait a second. I didn't call you. So wait, how'd you find out? The hospital called me, Gladys. I am labeled as Mr. Aykroyd's personal physician in their database. If something like this happens, you need to contact me immediately. I'll be back. Dr. Ortega walked to the medical nurse manning the front desk. Moments later, Gladys and Dr. Ortega were back in the examination room with Billy. He turned on a small flashlight and tried to shine it into his eyes. Billy, can you see my fingers? Dr. Ortega separated his cheeks. Try not. I can't see anything, Doc! Did they give you any Benadryl, epinephrine? They didn't, but for some reason, it's not working. Billy, do any of your spirits that normally inhabit you have any healing abilities? Wait. Here? You understand that? Hell yeah, I did! Is he around here? Billy mumbled once more. Gladys turned to Dr. Ortega. Uh, does that thing have any internet access? And do you have a red bandana or some sort of handkerchief on you or something I can have? Why? Cause you're fucking moron, the only way to summon Jimi Hendrix is to put a red bandana on Billy and start playing voodoo, child. Everyone knows that! Jimi Hendrix? Dr. Ortega pulled a handkerchief from his pocket. Um, it's been used. Because I'm saving the boy's life, Doc. He can take a fucking shower later. Put on the goddamn song. My tablet doesn't have good speakers. I don't care right now. Just play it. Dr. Ortega pressed play on the tablet as Voodoo Child started playing. As the song played, Gladys noticed a jolt come over Billy as the swelling magically came down on his face and body until Billy Aykroyd was back to normal. The person inhabiting the body of Billy was no one other than the unmistakable Jimi Hendrix. He rubbed his tongue on his teeth and gums. Hmm, it was poison. What was poison? Billy's Espresso this morning at the coffee joint. Someone put a chemical into it to mimic anaphylytic shock. Ingenious, I do say so myself. How do you know this? Where the hell is my guitar? We don't have one here. Listen, Jimmy, are you saying that Billy was deliberately poisoned? And if so, why is it taking us so long for shit to work? 
They should be fucking dead by now. Smelling the seafood probably triggered it. It had to be the catalyst. Could it have been our mole? No idea. Possibly, if they have connections with even a coffee shop. Well, I guess we'll have to inform the general when we get, uh... Jimmy looked down the hall, as if there was the sound of another commotion. Gladys and Dr. Ortega grew concerned. What the hell was that? Was that an explosion? If I leave Billy now, he will go back to looking like a balloon. I need Janice to join with another ghost. Is she around? As if schizophrenic, Billy went from Jimmy to Janice in milliseconds. I'm always around, darling. Who do you need, Jimmy? Won't know until we find out what's going on. Gladys? Jimmy asked Gladys who morphed into her vampire bat form. Jesus Christ! Uh, I guess I was expecting this. He'll get used to it eventually. Her ears grew as she picked up the sounds. She closed her eyes to listen to what was going on. Her eyes opened. Follow me. She flew into the air as the body of Billy Aykroyd followed. Meanwhile, Darla and Rod came out of the strange pizza joint, eating the pie they had bought together. Well, they're no cult. <clears throat> I think they just have a cult following. <laughs> CIA must have got that r- r- wrong. I-, I didn't see anything in the- there that had anything to do with the g- 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 gambit or possibly our m- 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 mole. I wonder how Billy is d- 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 doing. I'm g- 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 glad you didn't get any sh- shellfish on this, uh, this pizza. Rod stopped almost dead in his tracks. Wait, where is f- 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 Frank? The sound of screaming came from inside the pizzeria as Frank the Badger came running out of the building. The guy at the counter was carrying a broom and was trying to swat at him. Several seconds later, after the man was a safe distance from the pizzeria, the building exploded. The blast sent Darla, Rod, and the worker down to the pavement. Oh, what the fuck? Frank ran up to Rod and started squeaking profusely as massive flames came out of the pizzeria. If there was anyone in the building, it was too late for them. What happened, Frank? I'm calling 911. Wait, Frank, did you say bomb? Back at the hospital, Billy and Gladys came out of the hospital room to see Levesque Noir, Peony Rouge, and someone they had never seen before. A massive man with green gear on and a helmet with wings like a Viking was grabbing a comatose patient and putting them on a gurney. Gladys fluttered the air. Face you fucking turkey! Get up that dirty! Peony Rouge pulled out his pistol and fired in the direction of Gladys. Her eyes widened as she wasn't prepared for bullets coming. Billy stood in front of Gladys as the bullets bounced off his body as if they were rubber. A silly laugh came from Billy (laughs) as Gladys realized who saved her. (laughs) Thanks, Marley. Now let's send these fuckers get away with the river! Our window has closed. Let's get out of here. We can bring him with us. The man in green shouted as he tossed orderly after orderly into the walls and other equipment. No use, he doesn't mesh. Let's go. The bodies were strewn all over the place as Levesque Noir, Peony Rouge, and the massive green behemoth disappeared. Gladys morphed back into her human form. Fuck! 
Dr. Ortega finally came out of the hospital room amidst the commotion. What the hell happened? You turned into your bat form and then I woke up to this? Dr. Ortega, that black bishop son of a bitch and bastard and his colorful fucks were trying to take that comatose patient out for some reason. And I need to know why and I need to know now. Hello? She sighed as Darla's voice came over it. What's going on over there, Darla? There's been some serious shit at the hospital. What do you mean the place fucking blew up? You've been listening to Brotherhood of Ridiculous People Part 15. In the cast you heard, Burt McGonagall played by Robert Hunter, Dr. Verlin, George McTaggart, Levesque Noir, and the Green Knight played by Danny Atwell. The White Queen, played by Rachel Crosby. Peony Rouge, played by Miguel Pedroza. Allison Mills and Darla Somerville, played by Emily McAnulty. Oliver Pep III, by Paul Schroyer. Val Cromwell, played by Jesse Kirkland. Willie the Hobo, played by Justin Gregory. Rod Stiles, played by Dan Mac McCloskey. Billy Ackroyd, played by Max Hunter. And Dr. Alejandro Ortega, played by Josh Schroyer. Special effects by Zapsplat.com. Voodoo Child, by Jimi Hendrix. Bart McGonagall's The Tales of the Brotherhood of Ridiculous People are a Dark Charm Media production. Copyright 2024. All rights reserved. Dark Charm's most award-winning show. Coming soon. August 31st. The Fascination Street Season 1 Omnibus, in time for the season premiere of Fascination Street Season 2, coming in October. Only on Dark Charm Radio Shows, wherever you get your podcasts.